This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined here in Neyland Stadium Press Box by Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, Kentucky did it. They did. Uh, on a day that I expected it certainly to not happen, it uh, comes crashing down in historical fashion, really. Uh, a total blowout by the end of this game. Yeah, I I don't even know what to say. Uh, you and I talked in the press box before the game, and I, I told Justin I have, I have a funny feeling that today might be the day. I don't know why. I woke up this morning on the drive over to Knoxville, and I, it felt like they might have a chance, but then again I thought it was just one of those feelings in my stomach that ended up turning out to be like gas or something because <laughs> that's, how, that's what it often has been. Well, pretty much for our entire lives in Knoxville. It's Kentucky's first win in Knoxville since 1984. Uh, Mark Stoops fired up after the game, Derek. But there were a lot of guys that had their name called today that had a hand in this. It wasn't just a one or two effort. It was across the board. Yeah, Brad White's defense, once again, second straight week. It was incredible. I mean, they have six interceptions last week. Comeback today really set the tone. Two pick sixes on consecutive drives. I don't remember watching that for UK. I think it's – you might have to go – that's pretty rare for any team. Two straight possessions and one's an 85-yard pick. I actually want to make a point about that interception by Jamin Davis. He looked like he was moving in slow motion, and yet there was no one from Tennessee even near him on that interception return. I think the effort was probably lacking in some areas today for Tennessee, from what I could tell. But uh, Kelvin Joseph makes the big play to get him going. I mean, he – was a guy people were really down on those first two weeks. Last week he gets his first pick. This week he has by far his biggest play in pick six. And then in the second half, it was a pretty abysmal showing. I wouldn't say abysmal. It wasn't a great first half performance by Kentucky's offense. But in the second half, uh, they started off – or no, sorry, it was it was the first half. It was Ty Asian's interception that led. should have been a touchdown pass to Keaton Upshaw. A really well-thrown ball by Terry Wilson. Upshaw couldn't haul it in, but still he get the field goal. And I told you – at halftime, the people were not overlooked that. I thought it was one of the plays of the game that Ruffalo made that field goal to put him up 17-0. Because if he misses that field goal there and Tennessee goes down and scores, you went from a potential 21-0 game to potentially 14-7 to all in a matter of just a few minutes. And that didn't happen. And that was one of the signs today where I thought, okay, maybe this is going to happen. Yeah, if, if, if he misses that field goal, then they're a play away from tying the game right there to end the first half. You know, Tennessee actually got the ball back and had a chance to go down and get more points, but Kentucky's defense, you know, forced a punt, and then Kentucky ultimately decided to, you know, let the clock expire on the first half after a couple pass attempts. But 
You mentioned Kelvin Joseph. He's officially Boss Man fat. <laughs> I've been saying on this show for weeks that he had to do something for me to officially call him Boss Man fat. So he is Boss Man fat for sure after that. What a play, Derek. The uh, the images on the SEC media portal too even showed how incredible it was with yeah. the diving in front right there. Just uh, he followed the receiver all the way across the field, made a heck of a play, and it, I think that settled Kentucky in. Honestly, I, I told uh, somebody sitting beside me in the press box, I said it feels like a game that Kentucky actually has to strike first if they're going to do something. And uh, the way the game started, Derek, it started with Tennessee with a ton of momentum. They forced Kentucky a quick three and out. Kentucky couldn't get anything going. The first quarter flew by. And then it seemed like everything started slowing down. You mentioned the Jamin Davis interception return. He actually flipped into the end zone. I don't think that was intentional. I think it was because he was literally exhausted. And he had all of his weight moving forward. Uh, But just uh, an incredible performance all across the board for Kentucky. Then they really put a stamp on it in the second half. Yeah, that was was just a physical beatdown for the most part in the second half. I think Kentucky's one of the scoring drives – uh, went for, I think, well over six minutes that Rodriguez finished with a touchdown. Um, the passing game got going, too. It really loosened him up in the second half. Wilson's fade to Allen Daly was the point where I reached where I said, okay, this is, this is probably going to happen at this point, just because it was getting to a point where Tennessee hadn't really been moving the ball that well outside of the one drive where they just ran it right down Kentucky's throat 11 straight times uh, for a touchdown. Besides that, they really struggled. And another thing, too, Sean, Tennessee really had some like bad mental mistakes today. Um, the Tennessee bench, after an 18-yard gain for Kentucky on first down, the bench had a 15-yard penalty called for it. So he basically put Kentucky in field goal range in one play, and then well, someone like kicked a guy. I think JJ Weaver got kicked at one point to give another 15-yard penalty to back them up deeper in their own territory. That drive led to a punt. They just really shot themselves in the foot from any type of comeback by doing things that just weren't necessary. But physically, I mean, in the third quarter, Kentucky out against Tennessee, 111, I believe it was 111 to 22, something like that. Almost a 100-yard advantage. They scored the final 17 points of the game. Um, just a great performance. I don't know. There's nothing else to say. I mean, they played great. Even it's a second straight week, too, where this might be a, it's going to be a minimal thing today just because people are going to look at the first time since 84 that they've won. But, like, it's a second straight game. You get all your freshmen in again to play on defense. Yeah, and, and they made plays. Yeah. Carrington Valentine was in on, you know, right there with two pass attempts. Uh, Vito Tisdale laid the lumber to somebody right there in the middle of the field. And I thought at first they were going to throw a flag on it, but they didn't because he couldn't assume that the ball was catch. But I'll tell you this too, Derek. As we're sitting here recording, I'm seeing a lot of these young guys, Vito yeah, Tisdale, I just saw that as well. Michael Drennan, uh, Jaton McLean, all of them tweeting that coming to Kentucky was the best decision they've ever made. And sure, it's it's good to see that they've figured this thing out, Derek. The mood has changed significantly. Oh, yeah. And well, for me, in seven days, around this time last Saturday, I was on my way to Lexington. And I was texting you or communicating with you, and I told you, I said, look. If they lose this game, they might start out 0-6. Yeah. And now here we are, they're 2-2. Two and two. And a, lo- a Georgia lost to not to Alabama, and this thing is completely – they're a game back. Yeah. This will be the week where people really start to kick themselves over Ole Miss and <laughs> Auburn. Auburn lost today to South Carolina. I think they've proven to not be that great of a team. And maybe if that game was played later in the year, Kentucky would have stood a better chance to beat Auburn. Uh 
But as it is, there's no need to talk about that today. What they need to relish in is the fact that uh, an atrocious streak, and really the last, I would say, of the really embarrassing footnotes in Kentucky history, not winning at this place since 1984, is, I mean, it was a long time ago. And uh, they came out today, and they really did it in dominating fashion. I mean, all in up to it, I'd been pretty negative this week. I didn't think Kentucky's offense would be able to hold up the way it did. And also, what you don't account for is two pick sixes in a game. Because that, that changes the whole tone like tone, uh, tone of the game. Excuse me. Kentucky didn't have a huge offensive game. They ended up with 294 yards, but a lot of that came late. They were held to 75 yards in the first half. So the defense really picked them up. And, and how... And, and, and to get a win in this place, you knew it was going to have to take an unbelievable effort. But it was for the, for the first time, Derek, it felt like Kentucky got all the breaks yeah. over here. They never get breaks here. Uh, two pick sixes. The first one, it was an incredible play. The second one was thrown right to Jamin Davis. That yes. was a gift. But the first one was all Kelvin Joseph. That was just an individual play. And a guy, Derek, that we talked about on this, this week on the podcast – you know, who's Kentucky's leader on yeah. certain spots? And then he steps up and makes that play and gets Kentucky going. Uh, I want to say, too, this coaching staff, they they catch a lot of heat, a lot of heat from us when they make mistakes. We've hammered them in the past for not making adjustments. The second-half adjustments today, the passing game, getting the passing game going, getting the middle of the field, that was probably one of the best adjustments from – half to third quarter I've ever seen the staff put together. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even the first play, the first pass play that was rolling in completion, it was nearly caught by Josh Ali. I mean, they were very efficient throwing the ball. The RPO to Upshaw is something that should be there a lot. I was glad to see he got a chance to make up for I mean, it was a drop. It was a contested catch, but it, was a, it should have been caught, you know. You want them to catch the ball if uh, it's put in that spot. And Keaton didn't come down with it, but he did later in the game. And I mean, I thought it was a really efficient game from Terry. His numbers, again, like they don't jump off the page 12 for 15, 101 yards, and a touchdown. But one thing I wanted to point out on this podcast, and I want to tip my hat to him, I thought he was very accurate throwing the ball in the red zone today. That's been an issue sometimes. He was. Uh, he put the one to Upshaw right on the money. The throw to Daly was great. They had one to Upshaw, which would not have counted anyway, but because uh, it was an ineligible receiver. And it was a drop, so it was nothing. It was just an incompletion. But that ball was thrown right where it needed to be for his guy to make a play. Uh, I thought that was an issue earlier in the year, and maybe it was why they were hesitant to throw the ball a little bit in the red zone, just because maybe they didn't trust Terry as much. But to call a goal on fade right there and to complete it that way, that should be a huge confidence boost for both Daly and Wilson. And the biggest play of the game to me for the offense was they had the call overturned, Josh Ali on the sideline. And... This is an offense, Derek, that in the passing game, they've not had a lot of big plays. So to have yeah. one overturned, and then what does Eddie Grand dial up next? A throw to Josh Ali yeah. on the next play, and then they get a first down. That, to me, was what settled Terry in because he got to make back-to-back good throws. He had another one to Daly on that drive and then yeah. capped it off with a touchdown. And I thought in the first half, Terry's decision-making, it, it wasn't good. No, he really he, settled he, in. He did. He had, some, he had some bad reads there in the first half. He... A uh, couple balls he should have thrown away and things like that. But that second half, if that's what they get from Terry Wilson, they're going to be able to beat the teams on the these, th- especially the Missouris, the Vanderbilts, the South Carolinas, and th- they should have a chance against some of these teams like Florida. You don't know what happens with Georgia at Kroger Field. Uh, we not even got into that with the schedule change, which we will. 
at some point, but just an overall great effort. But I will say this in the second half, a couple of things stood out to me, Derek. I think you officially have a changing of the guard in the backfield at Kentucky. I've been calling it. We'll see. <laughs> but there is no way Chris Rodriguez shouldn't be the top back to start the game next week. And I think the thing that really stands out to me about changing of the guard is Jaton McClain. Yeah. For them to put him in that spot as a true freshman in a spot where if he fumbles the football, it gives Tennessee momentum, where you're trying to just put the nail in the coffin, that right there tells me that that guy before the season's over will be in – he'll be ahead of A.J. Rose in my opinion. I'm sorry. Yeah, 17-7 at that point when he went in. It was on that touchdown drive with Daly. They go to him. He makes some tough runs. Uh <laughs> Tisdale was playing pretty much against the whole freshman, or not? not on, actually, I can't say that. I, I would assume Tennessee had some backups in as well. But I thought he showed some nice wiggle. All those guys who played today did pretty well. Uh, we're not going to harp on it too much. Rose averaged two point two yards per carry. Yeah. So and ten touches, right? Ten touches, only twenty two yards. Whereas Rodriguez had thirteen catches, thirteen touches for seventy three yards, a touchdown. McLean had seven carries for 23 yards. And so, those were tough 23 yards, yeah. too. And that, McLean was playing at a point where it was not you know, a backup defense, and the, you know, Rose obviously wasn't as well. I mean, Rose was out there against the first team. He, uh, I agree with you. I think it's going to make sense. And now that McLean has been in there, he's produced in a spot where it mattered, I think it will make it much easier to turn to him next week. I'll tell you this. They didn't have that type of trust with Benny Snell in situations four or five years ago, Derek, especially here. To put him in in that spot told me everything that there was to tell about that young man. And then offensive line today, you asked the question to Mark Stoops in the postgame press conference. Today felt like they finally got to impose their will on someone, and and that unit was great. Uh, Quentin Bohanna went down with an injury there. Yeah, that's that's tough news. That's uh, that's the worst news of today because we really – you don't know what it is. You, it looked bad. He got rolled up on. He did tweet after the game that he'll be back. I don't know how to take that. I don't know if he means he'll be back this season, or I don't know if he's just meaning you know, he'll be back at some point. But uh, that'll be something to watch coming into this week, and we, we should definitely know something pretty soon. Yeah, I'm going to point out two stats right here, and, and I totally agree with you on Quentin. That, that was by far the worst deal of the day. He looked like he was in some serious pain when that took place today. So our wishes are up to Quentin. Hope he's doing well. Um, two things I want to point out. Red zone offense, 4-for-4 four four today in scoring. That is huge because all of fall camp we heard that was an issue. It was an issue at Auburn. Uh, fumble by Rose against Ole Miss. I mean, that counted against their, old, uh, against their red zone offense. So really good job today that way. I want to point out the second half. When you talk about a dominating defensive effort, Kentucky only allowed 84 yards the entire second half, and 65 of those came on Tennessee's final possession, which was the whole second string yeah. for Kentucky's defense. Or, well, even in some cases, third string probably because it was uh, Joel Williams was out there, Vito Tisdale was out there, Carrington. It was basically all freshmen were out there in the second half. So you take that away. My good, and like I said, I pointed out earlier, Tennessee shot themselves in the foot a little bit on some of those where they took yards away. But – they got to a point, and I never thought I'd say this in the stadium. Like it just Tennessee felt hopeless that they would be able to do anything whenever they were uh, on offense. So two straight weeks, the defense was just flat out phenomenal. That's a very encouraging sign. And for how bad they looked the first two weeks, well, not fair to say that against Auburn. They were so so. Nothing like what they have been the last two weeks, but. Really, uh, that group's going to have a ton of confidence going to Missouri next week. Yeah, and that's actually what gets me to this point, Derek. They have a great opportunity to climb above 500 
yeah. next week after the way this season started. And you and I, we looked at this schedule, and I don't think anyone in their right mind would have looked at it and said they have a chance to get above 500. I thought getting to 500 would be a struggle. Yeah. They have a great opportunity. And I honestly think the schedule change kind of works out because you get to go possibly get another win. You get to come back home, possibly re-energized on a three-game win streak if you take care of business at Missouri. And then you get to host Georgia. That It puts you in a position there. Yes, it's unfortunate you got Georgia, Alabama, Florida, three or four, but there's a bye week there, and then there's a Vandy there. So it, it's kind of broken up. It's not like all in a four-week span. No, yeah, just setting up all now, especially with the win. Uh, a lot of the predictions that I had uh, in terms of I'm trying to figure out how I want to phrase this. We already talked about the changing of the guard at running back most likely, and Michael Drennan was in there a lot a early. So I think it's pretty clear he's going to be beating out Cleveland Thomas for that spot. And they were without a key maze today. Uh, I don't know what the deal is there, but he was not with the team here today. Didn't see him in warm-ups. That discussion must have been. So the one the one-way talk or whatever must have been, I'm assuming a suspension if he wasn't here. However long that might last, I don't know. But um, you'll probably see some more of him next week. He was about the only other young guy I saw. Some guys who stood out to me who were young at the end of the game, Vito Tisdale was wrecking dudes on special teams and on defense. He's going to be a player for sure. And then uh, Carrington Valentine played some good coverage. Good. They, uh, Jamari Brown got called for pass interference, and they yanked him right out and put Carrington in there, and they threw at him a few times, and he almost had a pick, was on coverage on the fourth down throw. That was against Tennessee's freshman quarterback at that point. He never played before, Harrison Bailey. But, uh, I mean, it's two true freshmen going at it, and, uh, man, days like this really get you excited about what things yeah. could be to come. They, they, well, they rotated those young guys in again on the defensive line. Oxenon played, Rodgers played all meaningful snaps today. And uh, those two guys, uh, Josiah Hayes included, could become very big if Bohanna's not going to be around the next few weeks because they're going to need those guys Huge. for depth. Yeah. And I'll tell you a name that just continues to get better and I think is he has star all over him, Derek, is J.J. Weaver. Oh, he, yeah. oh man, he, he made some big time. And that, that's the thing. It's easy to forget because so many guys played well. Jordan Wright had a nice play. Jamin Davis, nice play. Boogie Watson. Uh, I think Boogie really found himself in that second half last week against Mississippi State because yeah. I think he's coming on. Uh, this defense is full of potential, Derek, and it looks like the unit we thought it was going to be. Let me tell you who really has egg on their face right now is Paul Feinbaum. <laughs> Paul Feinbaum coming out a couple of weeks ago and saying that it, it was time to, you know, pay attention to John Calipari's basketball team. Not yet. Well, let me say, <laughs> and let me say something, too. I never said it publicly. But it was in the back of my mind that I thought that this season was done. I really did. But if we've learned one thing in the Mark Stoops era in the last four years, five years, is when they get backed into a corner, they come out swinging. Yeah. And they find ways to figure it out. And, Derek, that's the sign of a football program that's kind of taken on the mentality of its head coach. He always, he said four or five years ago when they started 0-2, don't flinch. I won't flinch. And credit to this group. They've allowed seven points in two weeks because the two was a Max Duffy kick through the back of the end zone off a bad snap. Seven points to an air raid offense coached by Michael Leach. And then, to me, they exercised one of their biggest demons here today, winning in this place for the first time since 1984. So what's the narrative going to be? Is it going to be all about Tennessee and what they're going to be going through again? Because they're, they're going to lose Alabama next week, and they still got some tough games left. Or is it going to be – Hey, maybe we wrote Kentucky off too soon. Me included. Like, I, I well, wrote as soon as they lost to Ole Miss, I typed that they were looking at 0-5. And uh, 
Probably looking at three and two now. Oh, well, that's what I would guess. I think they'll beat Missouri. However, I want to say I'm 0 for four now picking Kentucky. So we need so to let our listeners know. Do I need to pick Missouri <laughs> next week, or what do you want me to do? Because every time I pick the game, it's the opposite. And and you mentioned, you know, will it be more about Tennessee? Will it be more about Kentucky? The reason I think this should be more about Kentucky is it was an absolute beatdown. Yeah. It it was a controlled game. Honestly, Derek, the score probably at one point it was it should have been worse. Like Kentucky yeah, probably should have capitalized board. on yeah, and then it's just unbelievable effort. Just uh, hats off to Vince Merrow, to Mark Stoops, that and Brad Watt, Eddie Grant. I thought had some really good play calls. The uh, fumble that Josh Ali had early in the game. I mean that play was open middle of the field. Yep. Ali cut it outside. Just a mistake right there. Right into a guy for a fumble. <laughs> but how about how about a defense that had no takeaways through two games, and at one point today they were third nationally. And wow. takeaways. So I don't, they end up a four, and then they had six last week, so, so it's ten, ten and two games. So what are they now on the margin? Plus, I don't know. They Matt turned it over once me. today, right? That's true. So they had plus three today. So, Either way, it's much better than what it was well, the first two weeks. And you're, it's just crazy to think too. I'm pretty sure they're number one in interceptions in the, in all of college football, I right? You'd have to be at this eight interceptions through four games. I mean, how many teams are averaging two per game? I know Syracuse was there, but I don't think that they had any. When I last looked, they didn't have any in their game today. But uh, Kentucky, in that position, to go from no takeaways to now 10 yeah. in two weeks. I mean, that defense is flying around. you got young guys playing well. There's a lot to feel good about. And if Terry Wilson can carry over that performance, they have something there. Oh, and also need to give a shout-out here, too. Demarcus Harris caught a ball. He did. He did. They keep going back to him, and that's that's encouraging, which tells you that he has potential if they keep putting him in there. But I will say the standout to me today was from the wide receivers was Alan Daly coming up with a big catch. We've been talking about who's the guy behind Josh Ali. Uh, Bryce Oliver, still we're going to need to give him some, some time to work his way in there. I mean, he haven't played yeah, football He, he played a little bit. He didn't really get in. And I watched him in warm-ups. He didn't seem like he was going 100% either. I, Hopefully he just didn't re-injure or anything today. If that's the case, he should be getting better and better week by week. That that drive you're talking about with Harris, I thought it was by far UK's best drive of the day. Definitely it's most balanced. Um, they've been running the ball pretty well at that point. They hit him for a quick screen. He gets, I think, four or five yards, uh, and it just helped them keep going. That was an 11-play drive. So, And John Schlarman gets the oh, game yeah. ball. After the game in the locker room, UK actually posted a video to their Twitter account, Derek, and it's, it's honestly hard to – to watch that video and have a dry eye when yeah. you see the reaction and the way that they, you know, the way they love Coach Larman. And then two, pregame, credit and shout-out to UT Athletics for the Chris Oates. They put up a 22 Tennessee jersey on their First on team their Twitter. to do that. Yeah, and just, uh, you know, this is a rivalry. This is, uh, but it also shows you, too, that they're, it's more than football. And um, these teams, they understand, you know, the battles and the, the hardships that these programs face. So, uh Credit to Tennessee for that tweet. I thought that was a very classy move, and I know all of BBN loved it too. For sure. Um, that was kind of the message from Stoops after the game and the videos that we saw was that they were you know, playing for something bigger than themselves, and that Shalarman continues to battle cancer, and uh, Oates obviously battling his medical condition. I mean, it's a lot of adversity that struck this program in the last few years. Um, but they came out and they played played hard for, for their teammates and coaches today and uh, ended probably in my opinion yeah if 
Tennessee can always say they've won 33 out of 36. Florida can say they've won 33 out of 34 or whatever, but there is no more long, embarrassing losing streaks. They're, they're all gone yeah. now. So that's if you're going to take anything away from the Mark Stoops era one day, it's that you know they brought this program to a point where they weren't as – I don't know how to say this. Like Obviously, Kentucky football is a cellar dweller pretty much the whole – time. I mean, there were some years they weren't, but this is the type of win that I think earns respect more because it's no fluke. I mean, it's not a close game. They're they, they're putting their second string in and they're taking a knee at the end of regulation. Like, I'm not going to lie. I might have been advocating for a little play-action pass there at the end of the game. You don't get a chance to beat Tennessee much down here, obviously. When, and, I mean, they're your big rival. They went up against them head-to-head on the recruiting trail. I wouldn't have minded seeing them try to tack on one more. There at the end and get Gatewood some more passes, but he looked good. Stoops is, he did, yeah. He uh, I guess ran the ball a little bit. He completed his first pass to Drennan, who had his first catch. Let's see what did he run for? Three carries for 23 yards, including a 14 yarder. There's so. a there's a lot to feel good about, even after this season. And I think this is a win that's big for this year, but it's even bigger for moving forward as well, a program. I think it's already paying off in recruiting. I mean, we'll see what happens, but. We actually haven't touched on this. I don't know how much it was out there. Christian Lewis, like there were Ole Miss commits telling fans to follow him, and it sounded like he was listening to Ole Miss's pitch a little bit. He might still be. But almost immediately after the game, he quote tweets a Tennessee commit and puts hashtag BBN on everything. Yeah, it changes so, everything. Yeah, it's. I mean, when you're winning, everybody's happy. Uh, I mean, he's a kid they need to get in here for sure. I don't want to derail this podcast into recruiting because we'll have some more days, but – I'm looking forward to going back and watching this one again. Yeah. Doing some more takeaways. We won't, we won't record tomorrow. Um, and then we do have an episode tomorrow, though, right? Yes. So we have an episode tomorrow, but it will we'll, be football related. Yeah, I will explain that at the end. Yeah, so I'll look forward to that. And then by Monday, we'll listen to Stoops have his press conference, and then we'll have some more takes. But my closing thoughts on this, uh, Sean also had some other things you wanted to get into. I mean, pretty much my closing thoughts is just – Totally different view. Uh, and that's, that's the crazy thing about this SEC schedule is every week you go in feeling much different. Um, I think the optimism has to be back. Man. It, it has to be. And I have one thing that I want to touch on, and I want to get your thoughts. This, this is one you and I have talked on the phone so many nights, and we kept circling back to this series. Yeah. Everything pointed back. We, we talk about what it's going to take for this program to compete in the East, to a chance to get to Atlanta, year in and year out. You you have to beat this team. This is the team that you have to beat. You have to beat the Floridas. Derek, the only hurdle that's left to clear in the East for Mark Stoops to get a win against is Georgia. That's the that's the final one. He's final, and Yes, he had beaten Tennessee, but you never were going to take Kentucky serious until they won here. And now you've won here. You've won at Florida. You've, you know, Throw out South Carolina last year. There was so many weird things happening with no quarterback play. You you've been dominating Missouri. You got to go do it again. You've been yeah. dominating Vandy. It feels like that this one is the one where now it changes the perception mentally when you look at this Kentucky Tennessee matchup. I don't think that I'm going to sit here and feel like they're going to throw away every opportunity now. That you can kind of look and say it's off your back. There's no more streak to have to talk about. And now it's just moving forward. Mississippi State, another game where yeah. Kentucky lost it for years, and now Stoops has found a way to at least dominate it at home. Yeah, that he's it, it's another notch up the ladder. It's yes, it gets you to two and two, but it's significantly more important for the direction and the upward progression of this program. 
no question. And what has been so frustrating is you can you can understand losses to Florida and Georgia the last few years, but Tennessee had absolutely been closer to the level of South Carolina, Missouri. You would put those teams all kind of grouped together, and Kentucky had done so well against some of those other teams like we just talked about, but had only beaten Tennessee once up to this point. And uh, to come out here today and to do what they did, um, I mean, not only is it huge for your program, but you've got a chance now for Tennessee to go into a tailspin once again. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Who knows two years from now how the season's going to be viewed. I know for Kentucky, they're going to talk about this win for the rest of time. I mean, no, no joke. I mean, this is – I told you before we started recording, no one had ever done a podcast here on the Kentucky side since winning a game in Knoxville. We were the first people to ever do it. It's been that long. Podcasts weren't even a thing, I don't think, in 1984. Certainly weren't popular if they were. I don't see any way how it would have been out there. But, uh, no, you're right. It's. I think that's going to be the big focus this week is you have that big win. Don't have a letdown next week against Missouri. Kentucky's got a better football team than Missouri. They need to win that game. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that this upcoming week. But as it is, these kids need to be proud of what they did today. Stoops needs to be proud of what he accomplished. And Brad White, Eddie Grant, all those guys. It was a total team effort today. And I'm looking forward to uh, after the games, I always like to kind of get some reaction. And, I mean, this is not taking a shot at Tennessee fans. As a matter of fact, they were very nice to me all week when I was on Tennessee podcasts or Tennessee message boards. They were all very kind. It's not to take a shot at them, but whenever things are going bad in Knoxville, it's kind of funny for everybody else to yeah. see the reaction. So I'm <laughs> looking it's, forward to getting on there and seeing some of the meltdown things. And uh, We're sitting here looking at campus as we speak. Beautiful day, by the it's, way. It's not burning down yet, no, but not. you know internally right now. There's a, lot lot of, there's a lot of people upset. Well, this is, uh, I mean, Jeremy Pruitt's had some low points. Losing to Georgia State, starting off 0-2 last year, with BYU also beating them. But it's it's a different thing for them when they lose to Kentucky. That does not be taken, I mean, the last two coaches who did it were fired almost immediately. Well, Dooley got another year to, before he was fired, but Butch Jones, just a few weeks after he lost to Kentucky, was fired. And I'm not saying they're going to fire Jeremy Pruitt because I don't think they are this year. But it's one quick way to get your seat hot real quick is losing to U.K., especially no one's lost to U.K. this way either. So that's 3 of 10 now, right? Kentucky won 3 of 10. Yeah. So 11. Which doesn't sound great, it, it but, man, it's great, way better than what it used to be. And, and you, <laughs> can, you can probably see a path now, though, to where this series evens out for the next decade. You would think so. At least to that point. But uh, we will have no quarterback controversy this week, Derek. Not we won't even, week, we won't right. even touch on it. Uh, Gatewood is still there, though. I think Stoops now knows that they can go to him if they need to. Threw a nice ball again. He did. And yeah. the run up the sideline, he looked really good. I think there's a lot to feel really good about uh, for Kentucky. And Mark Stoops is going to sleep well tonight after he parties it up at his house. <laughs> and uh, So uh, hopefully everything goes smooth after the weekend and Kentucky is able to go to Missouri next week. So in case you haven't heard, so the schedule flipped. It's instead of Georgia next week at Kroger Field, Kentucky's on the road at Missouri. That's now a 4 p.m. Eastern time kickoff in Columbia. And then on Halloween night, or ha- Halloween day, actually, Kentucky, Georgia at noon on the SEC yeah. Network. That was a 7.30 First game. First time since 2014 they have a noon SEC game. And it was, it was against Georgia. And it's your fault because you've been calling for noon games. It's not my fault. Games. I'm happy about it. There's no <laughs> fault here. I was very happy to do uh, That's Halloween day, so... Hope everyone's safe with the Halloween plans, but if you're a UK fan, you can watch the game early and then go on and do whatever else. Yeah, and we will be back uh, Monday to recap more from this. We're going to rewatch the game. We'll have more from Stoops' press conference. And two, 
Yes, Friday I teased two episodes. We did record two episodes, but it got so late in the day that I thought it would be better to just save the basketball recruiting talk for Sunday. So you will get another episode of Kentucky Daily tomorrow that will be all basketball recruiting and then some other basketball news as well. But this was officially episode 60. Even though you'll hear me tomorrow introduce that episode of 60, it'll actually be 61. If you didn't get a chance to be one of the lucky few at uh, Neyland Stadium today to watch the Cats take down the 17-game losing streak in Knoxville, first win since 1984, hopefully you made it out to the Butcher's Pub in Palmville, Kentucky or Williamsburg, Kentucky. I know there was a party going on there. There'll be a party going on there tonight, two locations. Get out there, check them out on Facebook, or visit thebutcherspub.com. But I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. We'll catch you tomorrow. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.